0: Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 Development where Rich and I talk to the experts from all over the globe, coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 Development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office 365Dev. Okay, and welcome to episode 61.
1: How are you going, Rich? Doing good, man. Back in Texas. It's a nice, uh, cool day here for our summers, so only like 101 instead of <laughs> you know higher than that uh, we've just had armageddon over the
0: weekend and i was out of town and everyone thought it was hilarious it's the i dropped a ton of money in rei so for those who are outside of the states rei is like the mecca of camping stores and i went in there and you, everyone just thought i was the laughing stock i had zero i haven't camped since i was a cub scout when i was about 14 i've It was the first time I slept in a tent in the best part of nearly 20 years this weekend. And it just so happened that it was the weekend there was a huge storm in Seattle where the power went out in the majority of the city. And um, I came back from my camping trip and it was light rain over the other side of the mountains here in Washington. But um, my deck where I, you know, kitted it out with really nice lighting and umbrellas, the umbrellas both took off and one of them hung itself because it managed to get itself tangled around the base of the um, umbrella and it was in pieces all over the uh, yard. So I came back last night to that and about what looks like someone just shook all of my pine trees, which were about 100 feet tall, if not higher than that. And I have pines all over my deck and all over the roof and my driveway and I'd only just swept them. So it's a fun weekend. Mr. It's nice and hot, 100 degrees.
1: It looked like you guys like floated the river too. Was that cold? We
0: did. So, the rivers, it's actually, it's all the water from the snow top. So, it was really shallow. And so, usually when you float down, apparently you go a fair bit faster and you don't have this notion of like, as the water's pushing you down, scraping against the riverbed. But there was a few places where the riverbed was, you, could, you know, you were hitting the rocks. And um, it very... Very cool thing. It was a 30-year-old 30, 30 friend of mine. It was his birthday. And um, so we all got tubes each. And we're sitting in the tubes and they had tubes which were specially made with eskies in them. So we had beer floating in the river next to us and we're drinking as we went. It took about two hours to get down the river. Um, a tube to Hold on, to hold
1: on, hold on a second. A tube with what? With
0: an esky in it. What is that? A cooler.
1: Oh, is that
0: more like... British talk, or? That's an Aussie thing. That's that's an Australian one. Um, so, a cooler full of beers, and um, it took us like two hours. It was really good fun, but um, I had a dry bag, and uh, I had my phone in it, and my phone died. So, I've been three days without a smartphone, zero connection outside of sitting in front of my computer, which has actually been odd, very odd, for someone as connected as me.
1: Probably a pleasant break, I'm guessing. Yeah, not too bad. How was your weekend, Rich? It was good. Uh, did uh, just catching up on some some work from some of my travels and getting ready for the next stretch, the busy September. Oh, yeah. you got Dreamforce and TechCrunch Disrupt. Yeah, lots of good things coming up. It'll be fun. Yep.
0: And then this week's been pretty cool. We've um, had a big announcement this morning with the Office UI fabric going live. Uh, So we're recording this on Monday, the 31st of August. Uh, It's been really exciting because this is something that a ton of people asked for when we first shipped the Office add-in model in 2013, where essentially you can build an add-in that sits within Word, PowerPoint, Excel, Outlook, but you have to kind of provide what it looks and feels like skin-wise. Very much like for the SharePoint devs when they ask for the Chrome control and provider-hosted apps. This is really kind of make me my add-in not look like horrible when it's living within the UI of iPad or Office client on Windows, on the Mac, or inside a browser. So they have a ton of work to basically put in a CDN, CSS files uh, for fonts and icons and all the styling. And so it's a really cool way of kind of making your app kind of match the theme of whatever Office client you're in and have similar icons and fonts that the rest of the Office client has. And the nice bit is, is they dogfooded this internally with OneDrive, Outlook, Delve. So our actual products are using Fabric in them already, but now we've just we've open sourced Fabric in GitHub and provided a bunch of get guidance on MSDN so you can see how to use it. And we'll have um, a bunch of the engineers on the show next week, next Thursday. Um, to talk in more detail about fabric but there's a pretty big announcement for us it's um uh, there's been a few other companies do this type of thing material design and salesforce just came out with their one last week as well so it's kind of convenient timing that ours came out a week after salesforce's but we've been working on this for quite some time and it's been inside of onedrive for a while so it's, it's great to get that out the door and open-sourced and the engineering teams are really excited about talking about that next week.
1: Yeah. And if you haven't seen this yet, you know, this goes way beyond just the Office CSS because we, we know, that was kind of what I would call the first attempt at helping you get something look like it felt like Office. But it really was just, you know, a set of core style classes, whereas this is really... It has a whole menu of different types of controls that you can go and put in your user interface. so you know if you have if you've seen something in office that you're like, oh, that's cool. I'd like something to look like that in my add-in you'll probably go look at the details of the uh, the UI fabric and find that implementation so that you can use it in your add-in so it's it's really nice to you know, kind of give you like full controls in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, after last week's kind of push with the Yeoman generator thing as well, it's exciting, you know, to see like where we, we've had feedback in the past from people and now we're, we're driving these things through. So um, it's been great to kind of see that kind of go through based on feedback from partners and from our customers and engineering, r- recognizing that and getting these things out to market. So there's a bunch more of those types of things coming too, which is really exciting. And we've kind of, diptoed into the waters in the blog post on hinting at some of the things that people have been asking for as well, like a Chrome control within
1: standalone web applications too, which is neat. Yep. What have you been seeing out there, Rich? Um, one that I've, I have I think is really cool, um, Matthias over at uh, SP Calf had a really good post about leveraging Azure Machine Learning and SharePoint. Yeah. Now, you know, this is a an interesting area because we've already started to do it inside of Office 365 with things like the Office Graph, like picking up on you know, different trends in applying machine learning to that. But, you know, this goes through and talks about, you know, some of the, not only machine learning, but some of the APIs that are wrapped around that. We've kind of alluded to them in other weeks called Project Oxford, where we can do text analysis for things like sentiment or um, transcription, all these really interesting scenarios that, you know, you combine those with the the rich uh, unstructured content that you have in SharePoint and you can do some really neat things. So, Um, He does a really good job of kind of talking about, you know, some of the possible and and how you get set up on using some of those APIs.
0: Yeah, Matthias always writes really good kind of explanation or blog posts as well. He's always very visual with them too, so it makes them really easy to read too. Yep. Me lucky. Another dev show this week was with Sonia and um, it was all about the iPad extensibility with Sudhir who's been kind of our program manager in the Office developer uh, team that Rob Lefferts heads up as the general manager. Uh, so, Zadir was showing like kind of what's what capabilities are with add-in with the Office apps on the iPad that you can download from the, um, the Apple Store, the App Store. And uh, he also shows how you can debug those things as well on a Mac. So, it was quite a cool little kind of... Um, Uh, explanation there as well. Although I will will say that there was a comment on Channel 9 that says presentation starts with some obscene music. Need a link that jumps right into the presentation, please. Obscene music. What are these guys talking about?
1: I don't know. Maybe they're... uh they're musicked out because we hear it all the time in different places.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Arnie, you can just get used to that rock music because that's the theme music for Team Awesome.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's all I will say. <laughs> hey, another thing today that came out, uh, I know this one is dear to your heart because you. I see you demo it all the time at conferences. I haven't even been able to get my hands on this one, but yeah. the Matter Center. So Microsoft MSIT, or not MSIT, um, MS Legal, um, has been a really, really big adopter of not only Office 365, but even around extensibility. So for years, they've been doing really creative things around you know, how we deal with governance of, of information. And they've done some really cool stuff around how they manage legal matters, both inside of SharePoint and within Office. And so if you've been to a keynote with Jeremy, you've probably seen him demonstrate parts of that, but we actually had a really good blog post today that kind of talks about that full vision. And the different things that we're, we're doing to, to help deliver that.
0: Yeah, and um, what's really neat is there's other things coming too. So, there's a bunch of other things that LCA have had built via there's typically service integrators in the local Washington area that kind of do a lot of work with all various parts of Microsoft and um, this particular SI has built the Matter Center, but they've also built some other things as well. So, I've been pushing pretty hard to get them not just products that are available for customers to use, but also open sourcing them as well. This Matter Center one wasn't an announcing open sourcing just yet. This was just announcing the availability that you could use the product. But it is something that will be open sourcing as well, which is really cool. Yep. That was really exciting. And then on top of that one, the other one I demo all the time, which gets way more applause than any other demo that I do on stage, is what we did call the SAP demo, which was the Excel demo where you kind of selected your your entity like products and it would inject all that data into your Excel spreadsheet and then you could modify the data in Excel and then click compare in the task pane app and then it would do a comparison to what was in the Excel spreadsheet and what was in the data source and then you could actually go and push that data either and override it uh, in, in SAP or you could actually, you know, maybe the Excel spreadsheet doesn't win and override it with SAP live data again. What they've actually done now, because the SAP integration was way more complex because you needed an SAP server to do the demo, they've replaced it with just an OData um, standard source, which is hosted on the OData website. I think it's just OData.org. And um, the the cool thing about it, uh, sorry, yeah, so services.odata.org v3 slash and then some really weird... Code there, um, but it's it's just a sample data source. But you can change it to any O data source, and this will work. So you can go down there and download that. It's a Visual Studio project. You can sideload it to your iPad because I often do that demo on my iPad to show you know it's a really good kind of productivity example using the extensibility inside of um, Office, both on you know a browser or and the out, the out Office client in um, the desktop too. So that one shipped as well. So we've had a pretty good week in terms of things coming from engineering and getting those ships as, as soon as they're ready.
1: So that's an interesting one. I, this is news to me because uh, I just got through spending like weekends building uh, a, the exact same scenario for Dreamforce. So that's going to be one of the hands-on labs at Dreamforce. You did for a NAPA uh, scenario, right? That's right. So there, it probably still would have been necessary to do do some decent work to make it all possible. But that actually that, con- that concept of... Uh, looking for deltas between what's in the the core like s- source system and what you have in your work worksheet. That was a lot harder than I expected it to be. If you think about like inserts and like inserting something like in the middle of the table, and if you deleted something, and how do you? What's the key? Uh, it was actually a lot harder than I thought, so it's cool to see that we have a, a public sample now for this, for people to yeah. look at.
0: Yeah, and it was the same, engine. there's an engineering team that have built quite a few other things as well, so it's neat to see them push that one out. I know it's one of Rob Lethurt's, his favorites who did the the kickoff session with me and was in the keynote with Sacha in the... Uh, at build as well so and Rob really likes that that demo because it you know it's a killer scenario where it can be any data source and people love using Excel to edit data they don't like having to work sometimes when they're doing lots and lots of data sorting or filtering or mass bulk updates using a web browser in someone's UI that someone's built if I can get the data out into Excel do that work and then put the data back into that system um, it saves them a lot of time And, you know, previously they could have done that with exporting CSVs and re-importing them, but this way they don't even have to leave Excel to do it. They just, you know, launch the add-in and click go and it just starts doing it, which is neat.
1: Yep. So another one I found, um, I'll I'll cover two here, Um, Glenn Scales and Glenn's uh, new blog that I'm following right now, I think you pointed him out to me, but he's got Glenn's Exchange blog, and he's got a couple of cool things here. One is Oa voting buttons in a Compose app. Um, this is an interesting one. I just noticed internally. I don't know if you've seen this, Jeremy. Is that there's a new add-in command on a Compose app for, and maybe it's only on invites. I'm trying to see now if I create a new meeting invite. Well, it's not doing it for me this second. But but we had there was one that was that was similar. Uh, that was like a um, like polling a new poll add-in command. Is that something you've seen? No. Oh, anyway, I'll I'll try to find more information about it. But he he talks about here is is basically kind of achieving that through a compose app with Office 365 and Exchange 2016. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know how long those APIs have been available, but I think that he's wrapped
0: an EWS call with Azure AD to do it. I think.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's he kind of goes into the two parts of it. One is kind of introducing kind of the Compose app approach and then uh, goes a little bit deeper into how he goes about actually making some of the calls.
0: Glenn's been a, an MVP. He was first awarded in 2004 hmm. in uh, Exchange Service. He's 12 years an MVP. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So I'm really glad he's kind of getting on the wagon with EWS stuff and obviously with the add-in stuff too, which is nice. So yeah, if you if you haven't caught, caught him before, his blog is definitely worth a read if you're doing anything with Outlook. Yep. And then, um, another one that came through was, uh, I, yeah, this name, man, Matic Pivic. Do you reckon that's right?
1: That looks pretty good to me. Matic
0: yeah. Pivic. We'll soon find out. He's been tweeting us a storm all week. Cause we tweeted him uh, last week on the office dev account. And I think he was just saying, thanks for sharing. But, um, He's done something where he's got a mail add in, which is something you've done as well in the past, right, Rich, where you've done the authentication over to the Office 365 API using Azure AD. And um, he shared his source in GitHub. And um, it's just a nice explanation with a good YouTube video and a bunch of screenshots. So, you know, he's obviously invested a fair bit of time in sharing this. So it's neat to see that pull through as well. Yep. I know that's one of your more popular blog posts, right, at the minute. Until we get the single sign-on stuff there's a few hoops to getting that right.
1: Yeah, there is definitely a a little bit of uh, technical gymnastics to get all that working. Unless you're going to call into the Exchange APIs. So, you know, we make a a really easy path if you're building an add-in and you want to connect to the Exchange APIs. If you're wanting to jump across to something else, it gets a little bit more complicated right now. But, you know, we're on it and we're going to hopefully make that. And it's certainly possible. It's just... uh, a little bit harder than we would want at this point.
0: I don't know if you mentioned this last week or not, but it seems to have crept into this one. But the Andrew Connell's piece on SharePoint is in a platform, SharePoint is a service. I know you you really like that post, so maybe you want to have a chat about it.
1: Yeah, this was a little bit controversial. Only a little bit? Yeah, probably a little bit more than a little bit. And actually, this came out, I guess, the day we recorded last week's podcast. So, it didn't really, didn't make the, the list last week, but... I mean ultimately what what Andrew's Andrew's gone through a bit of a journey of his own, right? I mean talk about like if if I had to name you like a who's who top 3 developers in the SharePoint space, Andrew his name's going to come up every time. He's been he's been there almost since the very beginning and you know, he's gone through a journey of kind of looking at kind of the 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 path that our platform has taken. And he's come to a realization of what he feels like the safest approach for doing extensibility with SharePoint is. And that doesn't use add-ins at all. It's basically saying, look, just accept the SharePoint user interface and what you get and what you, how, you can clicker, uh, how you can configure it just through clicking around site settings and just accept that. Anything you can't do with that, you should build completely outside as a standalone application that connects into the APIs. Um, so there was, you know, there was talk about, oh, and, and, you know, AC saying that, you know, the add-in model is 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 horrible, um, and that's not what he was saying at all. He's just saying, look, m- my thought is, you you really should just decouple completely what you're doing. If you have to build something that's integrated, then you know, what he was saying is he likes doing just a pure SharePoint hosted app and just basically don't even try to do like a SharePoint user interface. Don't use the, you know, the, the master page, just completely strip it out and do like a single page application. So anyway, I think it's a, a, a really interesting read. Um, it's definitely Andrew kind of giving his feelings on things. I happen to agree with him almost like 100% on it. But, you know, certainly give it a read and and he's got some good points and perspectives on it.
0: Yeah, there's actually a really good discussion that is spun off of that in the comments too. So it's definitely worth a read there if you get a chance. Yep. And then in addition to that, another Andrew Connell post is uh, him and CJ. It's my former boss as of today. Because he's left to go to a startup (laughs) and that's the only mention he's going to get. Because he's dead to me now. No, I'm joking. He's a really good guy. But um, he's going to be missed, actually. It's a shame. But we will still, in spirit, live on through the Microsoft Cloud Show and beers in Redmond all the time. But he did a really good show with Stuart Kwan, who is in the Azure team. And I was working with Stuart and mainly Rob Howard on the authentication stuff that's coming through. And there's been this convergence journey we've been going on where... We started with kind of, we had a bunch of products, we got them running in a service, and then we had each product was using different API shapes and constructs. So we kind of worked on making those APIs look the same so that it didn't look like we were all different organizations and the Exchange APIs looked like the SharePoint APIs, it looked like the OneNote APIs. And then we, by doing that, then made it easy to call with Azure Active Directory across those APIs. But then the next convergence level is not just Azure AD, or talking to those APIs, but is our consumer space, so our Microsoft account, so think Hotmail, Outlook.com, authentication into those newly polished API shapes as well. And so the idea being is, is that when you hit up if I'm uh, using a web application or mobile app and I want to reach into someone's OneDrive, they get a login screen and they can either put their Microsoft account in or their organizational account in. So either their kind of Microsoft account being Outlook.com or their Office 365 credentials. And in the background, Azure will do some jumping around to work out, okay, we need to redirect your app to OneDrive in their personal space or OneDrive for business in their organizational space. And so there's some really good work going on there. And um, Outlook Exchange are the the first team that have gone into preview with this. Uh, OneDrive is the next that will, and then OneNote will come, and every other product will follow in suit too. So, you know, think Skype, for instance. You'll be able to use the Skype API shape and from one login screen and one consent screen, either go to their personal Skype or their Enterprise, organizational Skype. So, it's a pretty neat kind of juggle, and Stuart does a really good job of explaining all of that in a way more detail, and some of the challenges they've had along the way, and why this just didn't happen overnight. And um, yes, if you're doing anything with Auth, which I'm assuming everyone listening to the show is doing, I highly recommend you go and listen to that show.
1: Yep. Yeah, and check out uh, dev.outlook.com if you want to see some like some of the first examples of. Of how that would be implemented, um, they they already have samples in a, n- a number of different languages. But that's really the direction, you know, like Jeremy says, we're going to be going with our APIs.
0: Yeah, and and a big part of that has been, you know, we don't like this t- tied to Windows Azure management portal to get started. So having this ability to register application through just a website is is really neat too. So um, there's some cool stuff going on there in terms of being able to register an application through a new registration portal um, that the Azure team have put up, which therefore means that Mail Canada Contacts files can leverage it too. So that's that's really, really cool. That new portal is at... um, I always forget the URL because I've not used it enough yet apps.dev.microsoft.com yep. and when you log in when you hit that page the first thing it does with an app registration portal is either ask you to sign in with your Microsoft account or your work and school account and then the flow looks very similar to if you went through manage.azure.windowsazure.com. Win, so again it's for a lot of people that have tried to play with the APIs before, you know, you need to link your Office 365 tenant with your Azure tenant. We heard that was a really crap experience. And this is an example of how we're improving that experience, which is cool.
1: Yep. And theoretically, like in the future, although you'd probably want to test it, you, you could theoretically develop everything using a consumer, an MSA account, and um, have it still function against uh, the organizational, you know, Azure AD type. Services so yep definitely uh, yep, taking yep. a step forward and then
0: another really cool post uh, was from Doug Ware who we've had on the show recently mm-hmm. talking about kind of building for SharePoint and it was. And a typical blog post title like gets you hooked in straight away at eight characteristics of an ideal SharePoint customization. Now, this really complemented what AC was saying in the sense that AC was saying, unless you really, really want to build inside of SharePoint, you know, you can go build outside of SharePoint and just use it as a platform under the covers, just like you would use SQL. Where Doug's coming from is if you've made a decision you want to be in SharePoint and the benefits you do get of leveraging that platform, this is you know, these are some of the ideals you do. So like one of the ideals is uh, it meets the needs of people who use it without limitations imposed by the platform. So there's a bunch of times where, you know, you would have to really bend SharePoint to get it to do what your customer needed and maybe SharePoint isn't the right choice. So he's built out some principles there based on some of the decision points he made when he was building his product. So um, I really like that post. It's a I've actually written something similar for a customer in the past and it was a decision tree on when to do full-blown custom dev over starting with SharePoint. And so that these ideals are a really good set to have if you are going to decide to build on top of SharePoint as a platform. Yep. So that was cool.
1: And um, one other is uh, Cindy Meister. She's been uh, kind of a regular for us Lately, uh, probably for a couple months now, on yes, you know doing it. office extensibility. So she's got a good post here talking about how you can use Office Open XML um, with the Office Add-in model for Word and and be able to build more powerful uh, add-ins. So if you've looked at the different, we call them coercion types, but ultimately it's a data type that you can read and write from a, a Word document. Open XML is is by far the most powerful. Uh, it also looks the most cryptic it's all XML, but you're probably not going to understand exactly what's going on when you see it compared to you know maybe HTML and so she goes through talking a little bit about kind of how you go about building it and some tools like um, the open XML SDK productivity tools that allow you to kind of point to a document, view the open XML and, and cut and paste things so it's a, a really good um, a really good post that kind of talks about the power of being able to do things with Open XML with the add-ins.
0: Yeah. and um I, i'm I'm just getting more and more excited about this office add- in space, um especially as we're talking to more and more partners now that really get it this whole scenario of not leaving the context of being inside the office client and the value that gives a, a, a user and being more productive. We do these things called EBCs here, executive briefings. And I did one last week to um, a customer and they had zero clue around like kind of what was available in the store. And they got really excited and started adding all these things. And like, you know, it was really exciting to see them realize the power of these things as, a, as an end user. And, and, and you know, like, well, does this one exist? or not, we should really go back and talk to XXY SaaS that we use within the enterprise and make sure they build an add-in or it's on their product roadmap. So I think over time, we're going to see a lot of excitement there as well. Yep. Cool. Well, um, that was all the updates for this week. We have a really cool show now with Doreen, who's worked on these file handlers for a while now and is, to be honest, one of my favorite presenters and up and comers I call her within Microsoft um, starting as an intern so she does a great job of like telling the story about kind of her journey within Microsoft and also working as a program manager and what she's shipped or t- and I I'm very very envious actually of uh, the fact she joined so early and um, the benefit that has been from her coming in from an intern and the opportunities she's had I think it's just great to see kind of the smart people of the world coming in early on and building a platform here so it was a, it was a great show and file handlers is something that really excites me rich have you built any these file handlers because i just i haven't had a chance yet i think it, it was spinning for a bit and i'm just coming to come out with the killer scenario. what have you built
1: so i mean i've um i've taken some of the documentation and built kind of just like a core almost like a hello world sample with it just to kind of understand how the pieces fit together but i do have a i can't really speak the specifics of it because it's a little bit more confidential but or I am working with an ISV that has, has some really creative plans for doing things with the custom file type handler. So uh, maybe there will be some exciting stuff to share in the, the upcoming uh, weeks or months. Cool. I know we're talking to a bunch of vendors, so I'm really,
0: I'm really, really hoping that we have a bunch for the full announcement where we kind of launch a lot of our other stuff to actually be able to demo some of those things too. Yep. It's, um, so it's exciting. Right, well, um, thanks again, Rich. We'll get you on the show um, talk about those Office UI fabric things with the, the team next week and um, enjoy your week. When are you next up in Seattle?
1: I actually think it's going to be a few weeks because um, I'm... Yeah, because you've got to go to San Francisco. Yeah.
0: Oh, and one last thing, swag. We mentioned this a few times. We have these boxes that we're putting together with bunch of goodness. Just email me on jthake at microsoft.com. And um, we'll make sure uh, if you send me your address, we'll ship them to you just as soon as they're ready. There are some new things we've added to the swag box, which are really, really cool. And so we've delayed shipping them out right now. But um, it'd be a great treat for user groups, especially if you're doing stuff at non office user group. So, if you guys attend like a web user group and you're, you know, feel like doing an intro to that group, rocking up with a box full of swag to be able to show off what you can do with office add-ins using the Yeoman generator or something would be a great, great thing for you to do too. So, um, ping me for your deets and we'll get you a, a big giant box of swag, including hoodies, which I'm modeling today at work. Cool. Okay, so I'm sitting in Building 35 with Doreen Brown. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So um, how will people know you, Doreen? What have you been up to at Microsoft?
2: Yeah, so I've been at Microsoft for about two years now, a little over two years. I've spent the entire time on various pieces of Office extensibility. So I worked on a variety of Office add-ins for Office 2013, mainly the Wikipedia add-in that you see on the top bar in Word. Um, Now I work on uh, different pieces of extensibility, Um, the newest one is the file handler add-in which just went GA this week.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Congratulations on that. You've, Thank you. Um, you've actually been involved in the two years here. So you've been involved in a bunch of things that have shipped and made a really big kind of dent in terms of uh, impressions. <laughs> That's the goal for right? so, yeah, So, yeah. So, a hat tip to you for definitely being maybe in the right place at the right time and get handed the right projects to it work on. It was
2: definitely a little bit of luck. It yeah. Actually, mostly luck, but...
0: The, yeah, um, and the nice good. thing about the Wikipedia app was that we actually shipped that open source, which a lot of people don't realize it's actually in GitHub. and It was one of the first things that was in that GitHub repo that, I mean, you helped a lot with the push of GitHub when you first came on board as well.
2: Yeah, it was all arguing over Coplex versus GitHub and where are the right folks in the community and where can we reach them in the best possible way. But uh, GitHub ended up being the way to go and I'm glad we went that way. The Wikipedia app in particular, um, our sister team in Beijing did a really great job of cleaning up kind of the initial work that that I uh, helped to complete and actually making it open source, so kudos on them, it was good.
0: Yeah, and then um, where were you before Microsoft? Because it's quite an interesting story in terms of how you came on board. And
2: Yeah, so I'm actually a college hire, yeah. but I was required to do a year of internships while I was in school. So I did six to nine months on uh, military defense systems, I did some time at larger companies, uh, all in developer roles, so I you know, did, wasn't really a PM until my last internship at Microsoft where I said that's this cool, why not? <laughs> they gave me an offer, let's do it. And uh, it's I've been here ever since.
0: Yeah, I think because you have a very different take on the whole concept of the extensibility model that I guess a lot of the people that have been here a long time in engineering that are very Microsoft-driven and understand the way that Microsoft builds software and you kind of bring a different angle to it. So I think it's really helped where we've pushed through with this kind of really targeting all developers rather than our typical developer
2: yeah. market. Coming into the team, uh, they said, you know, hey, you're you're on Office Extensibility, you're gonna work on SharePoint and Visual Studio, and I was like, I don't know <laughs> what any of those are, but sounds great, let's do it. And uh, it's been a ride, it's been good.
0: Yeah, and you, I mean, you came from this world of command line, plugging away, <laughs> to us showing like demos with user interfaces in 90s in Visual Studio. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I came from a very Unix, uh, Linux-y background, everything in the command line, so. Yeah. I think it just brings a kind of a fresher take to yeah, a lot of stuff Yeah, it's good.
0: It's nice to have that balance. And there's a few other guys like Kai, who's in the team as well, that's he came through early as well. So it's nice to kind of have that perspective that we don't get very often inside of Microsoft. So But we're getting better.
2: We're getting, we definitely, are definitely getting definitely, better. Definitely, you know, people are more open minded over the last year, more engagement with third party systems. Yeah. It's all good. It's all goodness.
0: So uh, the Wikipedia app you did, um, you work very heavily on the extensibility kind of across the board, really helping teams kind of go forward.
2: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of my job these days is just to kind of know a little bit of everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, Word add-ins, PowerPoint add-ins, Excel add-ins. You know, if a company's trying to build up a solution, I go talk to them and learn what it is they do and help them build that thing. I also work with teams internally in Microsoft. So let's say there's a new workload or a new group or team uh, who wants to build extensibility solutions? Then you know I'll head over there for a couple months and sit with that team and really understand what it is they're trying to do, and then you know take their thoughts and intentions and help them build something real.
0: And and you also have that backwards thing where you come back and work with the other PMs on backlog, and and if there are gaps in what we're doing that don't meet their scenarios, that you get that stuff through as well, right?
2: Yep, yep. So part of what I own is the office and SharePoint user voice. Yeah. So officespdev.uservoice.com. I'm sure that's been, you know, pushed heavily at every conference. No, no. no. Not at all.
0: <laughs> Don't put a mail in my inbox asking for something. Go vote something off on uservoice. It's been that's great. Great
2: feedback. Yeah, Everyone yeah. takes a drink. And you should put it on our uservoice. Uh yeah, that's that's um that's what I look at uh, once a month we go through everything and you know triage some of the stuff that is maybe things we won't do right away and then also for our quarterly planning we actually look at that quite heavily uh, You know, we're maybe less prompt at responding when we should but I promise you that it is something that we look at and argue about as PMs you know, yeah. how can we best take that list and turn it into actionable things.
0: It, it makes it a lot easier when there's one central place rather than I mean even I know there's internal email discussions that go on with vendors but having it kind of very clear and transparent both with internal conversations that happen with people under NDAs as well as just public developers asking for things is it's really useful to get an idea of what people yeah. really need.
2: One one set of exportable Excel data you know that I can run a bunch of scripts against uh, that's you know it's, it's much easier for us as a team to kind of yeah. crunch that data than it is to go oh this Twitter conversation's this way or this Facebook conversation's this way You know, user voice has kind of been able, you know, that's why we're able to take it.
0: And you're kind of the the triage person that carves it up and makes sure the right PMs get the the user voice issues themselves.
2: Yep. Yep. I own the mega Excel spreadsheet with yeah. all of the feedback portioned into things that we might do and yeah. you know, that everyone on the team looks at it and we build cool stuff with it.
0: Yeah, it's cool. And so one of those cool things, which is a good segue, <laughs> is the file handlers.
2: Yay! <laughs> yep, that's been a project that we've been working on for way longer than I'm going to talk about <laughs> on this on this podcast. Uh, basically, it's the first way of taking all of the great stuff that we've built with Azure Active Directory with the 365 APIs, uh, with all of that, and making it so that you can take all that greatness and extend Office with it at the same time.
0: Yeah. yeah so so. What, what's the scenario? What is a file handler?
2: Yeah. So let's say, you know, you're a third party who has a file type that you care about a whole lot, right? Let's say you're maybe a science, you know, you do a lot of science and you deal with LaTeX files quite a bit, or, you know, even like just um, XML files, you know, maybe we don't Uh, deal with them natively in Office 365, Uh, what you can do with these file handlers is is to say, you know, this is the HTTP endpoint that I want to use to display a file, uh, maybe like in an iframe or something, and here is the endpoint to preview the file, and here's some, you know, icons and other customizations, go put this wherever Office 365 supports this file type and then I can actually interact with my files however I so choose.
0: So, so the key part, I think, when I first heard about this, it was a while ago too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think the complexity of what you've achieved is because that's why it's taken so long. because exactly. there's so many. I think a lot of people don't, externally don't understand how many different teams that don't necessarily talk to each other as much as they probably should do, <laughs> and you, you end up as a PM drawing all these guys together and trying to get them to align and deliver yeah, at the same time. something
2: like eight to ten different teams across four different code bases. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so it was, you know, basically it's it's great that we have all these people working on all these different things, but it means that sometimes we need to talk to each other more than you would think and yeah. it ends up taking.
0: And so this one was a big one because it wasn't just like when people think of files, image, you jumped to SharePoint and the document library and, you know, there's been a setting which, you know, as a... Consultant in Australia, you can bet your bottom dollar every single customer wants the PDF icon to be a PDF icon rather than that just that blank file icon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but people only ever did that in SharePoint. But now files live in OneDrive for Business. They live as attachments inside of the Outlook interface.
2: Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, there are ways in SharePoint uh, beyond the file handler to customize file open and previews, but it gets really complicated, it's not super supported, and I've seen only really instances of people doing it in on-premises environments. Right. On-premises is very important to us, you know, we do do a lot of extensibility for, for that environment, but what's great about 365 is that you have Exchange, you have SharePoint, and the file handler will actually reach across all these different workloads, right? Yeah. So if you have an attachment in Outlook Web App, it'll look the same with this new add-in that it will in a SharePoint document library. It'll look the same in both those places in like a OneDrive for business kind of thing as well.
0: Right, right, okay. Yeah. And and because it's not just SharePoint, I'm not deploying this then as a SharePoint add-in no, no, package. No, so no. How, how do I go about deploying this into a tenant?
2: Yeah, so all of the all of this new technology is based off of an Azure AD application. So just the same way that you would create um, a 365 app that shows up in the app launcher, it's all those same original are or all those same steps. Uh, so you'd go to the Azure AD portal, you'd register your app. Um, but what we've done is we've added additional metadata to these application objects called this add-ins property. And within this add-ins property, uh, you add your information about the file handler. So instead of saying this is my app package, it's the zipped file, I need to construct it using Visual Studio, and it's very difficult for non-VS developers to create these SharePoint add-ins. It's just, you know, here's this web endpoints. I've deployed it using whatever technology I choose. Yeah. You know, if I use, you know, Atom or Sublime or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like I could deploy this out of Heroku if I wanted. But all of the pointers to these endpoints, they live in the Azure AD.
0: Right. So I guess the most similar construct there, if you take kind of Shepard out of the equation, would be like a. if I'm building an Office add-in, I have an XML manifest I put in the it's add-in similar. catalog.
2: It's similar. This yeah.
0: one is a JSON file. It's
2: a JSON object stored within the Azure AD application object.
0: Right. And so the only other time I ever took or played with the manifest was um, there isn't a switch to enable the cause... Uh, inside of an Azure Active Directory application without downloading the manifest, tweaking that thing from false to true, and then re-uploading the manifest. Yep. So, so, so that, is it that same manifest file?
2: So we, uh, right now, you have to actually either... You have two options. One is to use tooling that we provide to you in the MSDN documentation. So yep. we have a, a actually an Azure AD app that allows you to look at all your applications and tweak certain properties that are even hidden from the Azure AD portal. Right. Um, and then you can also actually upload these... or change these properties, not really upload them. Uh, There's no real concept of upload anymore, right? Uh, You can change these properties via the graph APIs. so you oh, can actually right. go into the application object and actually put all this data into the graph.
0: Oh, nice. Which is great
2: for automated deployment, right? Yeah, so if yeah. you have, you know, Travis CI set up, you can run all your tests, make sure it all works fine. Yeah. If it all works, you can update your endpoints automatically.
0: And that'll automatically then light up the UI across Outlook and OneDrive for Business and SharePoint. As long
2: as you've consented to the app or it's a single tenant app, you're good to go.
0: Wow, awesome. Yeah,
2: so it's the whole goal is to make this as easy to create as possible to
0: Yeah, develop. And so you mentioned single tenant app. If I'm an ISP, be. Technically, it can be multi tenant, and mm-hmm. just as long as that individual tenant trusts it, that'll just work. And you can host that file handler just wherever you want, and it will support multi tenant yep. support.
2: Yep. So basically, consenting to the app via comma consent is the quote unquote installation process. Yep. Uh, you'll notice during a lot of the sessions we've given on this, I tr- do my best to not use the word install because it's really not installing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Removing the Azure AD app from your tenancy via the app launcher or via the manager portal will remove all the functionality from your app. So right. we're not
0: tying all that together into one location. Right. So it's almost like a, you're, it's pointers over to wherever the handler's yep. running. And again, it can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in Azure. or
2: Exactly.
0: So t- two things on that that you mentioned, Office 365. Is there an intent that this will work in, on-premises in a hybrid world? I mean, obviously, there's a dependency on Azure AD. But would this work if I had SharePoint Server 2016 and Exchange Server 2016 hybrid enabled with Azure AD?
2: It's our goal to make this enabled in a hybrid environment yeah. um, on-premises Purely, it's very dependent on Azure AD, and Azure yeah. AD is not really available in on-premises environments today. Yeah. Um. The goal would be to enable us in hybrid environments, but we will look at user feedback to see yeah. if, like where it falls on our list of things we need to do for S yeah, sixteen.
0: Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I suspect it won't. The preview, obviously, hasn't got it now, and it would be something prior after the ship. I'm yeah, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Most
2: likely. You know, we, we need to see what people are doing, who, how people use it. You know, If we get a lot of requests to make it a hybrid config, then we'll do it. Um, but you know, we have X number of engineers and is, are there great things that we can do that may, might require that.
0: Yeah, and as a good citizen PM, mm-hmm. there's a ton of documentation out there already for this. There right?
2: are. There is quite a bit of documentation out there. Yeah. Uh, MSDN has everything if you go to dev.office.com, uh, all the documentation is available there. We have a sample code on GitHub. We have training that Andrew Connell put together. Yeah all kinds of stuff very, yeah it's neat very good the, the
0: hands on lab is really easy to follow through and really does step through exactly what you need to do to get that thing running in a tenant Then
2: mm-hmm.
0: the documentation is solid like I've you know, i seen that all there it kind of evolve as we were in preview with that stuff and then kind of GA this week which is neat
2: yeah so we, we um, worked with uh, various partners in the kind of some of the programs that we have Yeah. Uh, as we put all this together so we'd give them early bits of the file handlers we'd give them the documentation they'd go oh, I have no idea what this documentation means and then we could tweak it kind of as we go so yeah great example of working with the community right
0: yeah and the preview program i think is key is the earlier we can get feedback on this stuff the better we can sharpen it before we give it give it to the masses to play with right and so the sample what does the sample do what's the scenario for the file hand of sample
2: right so the sample is a gpx app viewing and editing what a gpx app is it's a map file that you can download from any kind of fitness athletic tool right so if you use strava or you use any kind of, you know, GPS, you can take all the points that you've run along or biked along and export or it. Crawled in, or crawled. <laughs> along, like you stop running and you just start crawling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you can take all those points and map it out on a big map control.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah,
2: so what's, what's great about that is that once the file handler is set up inside of your Active Directory object, we just use the big map control and maybe like 200 lines of code. Wow. It's very, very simple to follow That's neat. On, yeah.
0: So essentially, if I then uploaded the a GPX file into a SharePoint document library or it was an attachment email, I'd mm-hmm. be able to yep. launch a preview of that map
2: mm-hmm.
0: or click on it and jump into like a full page browser window of that website as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the SharePoint piece of the file handlers is in 100% of all tenants today. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, as you're listening to this podcast, go to dev.offsetcom and get started. The Exchange piece is currently a little over 10%. We're in the middle of deploying it as we speak, yeah. but you should have it, you know, in the next few weeks.
0: Cool. And and I guess the reason you're saying like the Azure AD plumbing and the Office 365 APIs is when I click launch to jump into the full page version of it, that's using Azure AD Azure or to uh, yep. single sign me on into that website that's running Anywhere, anywhere in the, yeah. Um, yeah, And would, then does it, it use be... the files API to then go and reach and grab the GPX to then load it in the Bing map?
2: So we provide... Basically, when you load the file handler from whichever resource that you uh, are loading it from, whether it be SharePoint or Exchange or whatnot, yeah. we pass to you a series of basically contextual data, what we call activation parameters. Yeah. And as part of these activation parameters, we pass you what we call a file get... And file put activation parameters, and these are the APIs you should call to get the app. Oh, okay. So like, don't worry about like, don't even look at it. Just we guarantee you if you call the file get activation parameter with an Azure AD bearer token. Uh, you will, it get the
0: will always yet. respond back with that file right so it's really like you don't even really need to understand like where it's coming from and how to use the files api It's kind of yep. ha- spoon fed to you
2: exactly the That's goal innate. the goal of the activation parameters is to completely abstract away which client you care about yeah right because i mean we do tell you like this is sharepoint loading this or this is oa loading this because there might be custom ui that you care about yeah but it would be insane to expect you to be like oh this is Outlook so I use like an attachment API or this is SharePoint so I use a files API right so we yep. just provide that for you that's
0: neat yeah. and I guess one question would be what if you had two file handlers in your tenant for PDF like can you do that is there a way of scoping it or handling it in that way
2: so right now you can have multiple uh, file handlers using the same one uh, they're, we're releasing this GA with maybe less than ideal management experience there so it will show you um, kind of in a list of the, what we pull from Azure AD, the first one in there. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to get this out to developers as fast as we can and as stable as we can. Yeah. And then we'll monitor uh, usage of the feature. Yeah. So, you know, we can't tell which tenant is using what apps. We can't tell which apps are being used. You know, like That's all very, you know, anonymous. We yeah. don't know about the people, right? Yeah. But we can tell, you know n number of tenants are using these multiple like conflicting file handlers so right, we right, should right. actually start building start
0: looking at management functionality around that right yeah but i suspect it's a very edge case that someone would have more than one file handler but yeah it's, it's a good
2: problem to have yeah, if we yeah. run into this problem yeah um but we'll see how it goes
0: and so are there i mean I we're probably not ready to name any but are there any isvs out there that are kind of ready to ship these things now it's 8 is there any you can share or is it too early
2: um I don't want to share anything just yet because I want all the greatness of uh, working with these partners. I want them to be able to be on stage with us or on somewhere with us as we announce these things. Uh, We are releasing a Channel 9 video sometime in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, we saw you on the
0: dev show. One of
2: our partners will be up there with us demoing, and so we'll...
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: Save a surprise for you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
0: But um, it's such a common scenario, especially as you mentioned, like in scientific fields and... Uh, different bits to have these kind of common scenarios. I know when I was in Australia, like the mining industry, we dealt a lot with um, the GIS files and it was a common requirement to be able to view those GIS files in a web browser without having to download them and open them up in some kind of rich client on your machine. Yeah. So this kind of adds a lot of that element to it as well, which is neat.
2: Like imagine you're on your iPad, right? And you're in the browser and your SharePoint list and you know you don't have a program that can deal with these file types. You're done. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. You
2: download it, and then you're sad because your iPad doesn't have an app to right,
0: or to, it doesn't allow you to download it in, right? the, in the first place because yeah. it's sandboxed. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So this is kind of enabling these mobile scenarios for these maybe fringe file types. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. There's also a couple scenarios we've seen that, you know, even just working with partners, we never really anticipated. Yeah. There's some cool stuff that we've seen people do, because really these uh, file types you know, you define them, you define what the file type is, people have been doing a lot of interesting work with really just storing pointers to files in their own cloud and services. Right. Right, so we'll have some folks who will basically have just a JSON file with a custom file name, and that'll link to, you know, a file on their server, uh, or, okay. you know, some data that's not even a file, right? right it's right. just an entity in yep. a database somewhere, and they'll load that into uh, SharePoint or Oh, uh, that's neat. Yeah.
0: Wow, and that's cool. clever. I hadn't thought of that.
2: Yep, and then there's cases where, uh, you know, you can tell who the user is and you can tell, you know, correlate, you know, user information to data in your own service. So we have one partner who's looking at building one of these add-ins and their click-through is what they do is they look at, you know, this user creates a whole bunch of data on their own website, you know, on the on the ISV's website. And if they've created that data, they'll get like a management experience for this For this entity, you know, if it's not a creator, then they actually are able to interact with the data in certain ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of leveraging the security model. mm -hmm. That's neat. So um, I guess, you know, from a getting started experience, go check out that MSDN documentation. I'll have it in the show notes. Yep. Through the hands-on lab.
2: Hands-on lab. Go get the demo. Demos. Uh, There's a bunch of Ignite talks where we listed through a bunch of stuff. Nothing drastic has changed since the Ignite talk. Basically, we've just done a lot of work stabilizing the feature and making sure it's GA-ready, so all that data is still pretty applicable.
0: And in terms of from an ecosystem perspective and discoverability of file handlers, will this stuff make it into the the Office Store as well?
2: So any... Because these file handlers are really Azure AD apps, yep. um, you can acquire them just as you would any Azure AD app.
0: Right, so like do.com mm-hmm. and Smartsheets and DocuSign and whatever, you can go and just do the same thing through there. Yep. That's neat. Yeah. Oh, well, I bet you're really proud to see that out the door.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It's It's been kind of... One of my major focuses for, you know, the last few months. Yeah. And so it's exciting to get people ready to go use it.
0: How, how do you find, and this is a question I get a lot externally, it's something personally I'm interested in as well, like owning something like this, which is, you know, it's a really important part of what we're doing from extensibility, but it's a, you know, when you look at Office 365 all up, like you've owned this feature for so long, like what, do you enjoy that kind of being so like seeing it all the way through and getting it shipped? Is that something that kind of keeps you, keeps you motivated and up at night?
2: Yeah, it's it's great. Basically, it's it's interesting to be a part of something as it becomes new, yeah. right? Because all this integration with three sixty five in the UI itself via this Azure AD story, mm-hmm. uh, it's still it's pretty new, right? So it's interesting to kind of help define that roadmap. It's interesting to know kind of where we're going with the feature from here on out.
0: Uh, it's it's nice. I enjoy it. And and you know, just in context of your responsibilities, because people are always interested in what a PM actually really does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you're, you wrote that original spec document for this and drew all that information around using Azure AD and the manifests and researching with your developers to get this done, didn't you? Yeah,
2: so I focus less on how this all happens. That's yeah. up to my devs, and they do a wonderful, wonderful job of you know doing design docs and architecture and all of that. Um, I focus mainly on why are we doing these things? What's the you know 100,000-foot view of why we care about this, mm-hmm. right? So in the very beginning, and my uh, feature crew has been with us the whole way, is this is not meant to be like, oh, Doreen did this thing, because it's mm-hmm. 100% at a group effort of, you know, Eight or nine different people cycling in and out over the last few months. Yeah. You know, we'll sit down and be like, okay, this is the problem we're trying to solve. Now, what are the problems that come up because of the problem we're trying to solve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just listing out, you know, all the issues and helping bring those issues to a solution to come up with, like, a pretty cool thing. Yeah. That's, that's what the no, that's answer
0: nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. It's good to have you on the show. <laughs> thanks. And uh, I look forward to getting you on again to speak about the next project that you're going to yeah. have in the future.
2: We'll see. It'll be good.
0: So um, enjoy the rest of your week, and um, I look forward to seeing the Dev Show with you and Sonia as well. We can actually see it in action as well.
2: Yeah, lots of demos. it will be great.
0: <laughs> thanks, Doreen. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program. We can get a one-year three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash Office 365 Dev Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.